welcome all of you who are braved and got up out of bed on the second day of the conference. And my name is Rick Wood, and uh, the, uh, you know what the subject is. So, oh, and the mics are all on, so we are set. Um, again, uh, it's glad to see all of you, and uh, we've been briefly chatting before the official recording starts for those who may have missed and want to see what they missed. Uh, we've been briefly chatting about the, the subject and why you are. It was interesting to find out why you're here, what um, specific things you want to learn. Is Let me just ask the question again for those who weren't here as we were briefly chatting beforehand. Was there something specific that when you saw the subject, uh, finding appropriate medical resources, was there one specific thing maybe that you were looking for that you hope to gain out of this workshop? Anybody? Or is it kind of the, everybody the general overview? I think we're all in the general, looking at the general. Then that way, that, that case, we're going to go through all of it. And not kind of, because I wanted, I thought if everybody showed up and they went, I want to talk about this subject, we would focus in on what the, what the majority wanted to discuss. Um, one of the first things we're going to talk about, though, is why this subject is so important. So I kind of, I like to beat people up on this. And I don't know how many have ever seen these statistics. I don't mean to beat them up, but remind you, because it's very important. So let me read. The World Health Organization estimates that 80% of the medical resources in the underdeveloped countries come from NGOs, for those who may not be familiar with non-government organizations. Sadly, who also estimates that 70% of those resources are inappropriate and not usable? Now, the World Health Organization was fairly nice to just say that the majority of it comes from NGOs. But... Most of us know that probably 90% of those NGOs are who? Mission, Christian missions. So that is us, really, that is providing the majority of those resources, and sadly, 70% of those um, are inappropriate and not usable. That's the bulk. And how many, how many of you have been to any mission on the field, clinics or hospitals, medical? So how many of you... Well, I bet if I ask, how many of you ever seen any stuff over there that's not working? <laughs> Anybody that hasn't? So it's a, yeah, oh, good. <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we, I don't want to belabor that, but the fact of the matter is it is still happening today. It's getting better, and some organizations are improving and working on fixing that problem, but it's still very common, people with good intentions, don't know what they're doing in there, and they still have the mentality that something is better than nothing, and they just kind of ship whatever they can get. And that the result of that is most of it does not work, and it turns the places into a junkyard. Yesterday, at the, the we, I was at the tech um, display down in the conference center. Somebody came up and said, "Please tell your people, the members, because tech is an organ is just an association of medical mission organizations and individuals, over 130 of them." And so they send a lot of stuff all over the world. So they said, please tell your people not to send any more stuff to XYZ Hospital. They named a specific hospital that says it's just full of junk. Well, that could be repeated over and over. So that's what we try to do, remind you, you know, this is a very important subject, and that's why um, we, I like to focus in on this in the context of where can you find the resources because that's what a lot of people just say, where can I get the stuff? But you need to think about what you're getting uh, probably more importantly than, than where. Uh, well, anyway. All right, come on. 
So those are the three things that you saw in the in your outline and then the, on the syllabus on what was we were going to be covering: evaluating medical re- projects, determining what equipment is needed, and finding those medical resources to meet the needs. By the way, as we go, if you have any questions at all as we're going, please you know we'll discuss any specific comments or questions you have as we go. I'll try to save a little bit of time and watch the clock. So at the end, we'll have some a Q&A time as well, so we can talk about specifics. But if there's anything as we go through, please, please stop me. So let's start with evaluating of medical projects. And I'm going to be just touch on brief on all of these areas because there's, we could spend an hour on every one of them and go into details. So I want to touch on the highlights, and then, if you, again, if you have questions, we'll cover those. The first thing that you do is you're – and when I talk about medical projects, by the way, morning – when I talk about medical projects, I'm talking about larger things, not necessarily I'm looking for a centrifuge or I'm looking for this device or that, but I'm looking at somebody's building a new clinic or a new hospital, and we've got to find a lot of resources. So that's what I'm referring to when I say a project. So when you're looking at medical projects and you're looking at getting multiple resources, you have to do a lot more homework than if it is just, you know, I need a centrifuge or oxygen concentrator. That's a little easier. You have to ask a lot of questions on that one. And so, and as you do, um, you need to write, ask the right questions and you need to uh, ask the right people. I, uh, again, as I mentioned to some before, uh, before we got started, the only handout I gave you is this kind of brief, this outline of what the thing is. But anything that I talk about, these, uh, any handouts or any, any forms, they will, upon your request, I will be glad to give those to you. I'll email them. You can get them electronically. If you have your computer with you and you're interested, I happen to have them on a flash drive. You can download everything, including the PowerPoint, if you want that, uh, or I can email that to you. So I didn't want to cut a tree down, but if you want any of this information, um, you'll, you have my email on that the handout there. Just send it, me an email and say, please send me this stuff. So I'm not going to go through this whole form, but this, this is to give you an idea when you're asking questions, what questions do I need to ask, especially the larger projects. This um, form is two pages, and it actually has seven different areas that you need to consider. And you're thinking, well, why would I need to consider so many things uh, when you start to look at equipment and stuff and make sure that you're providing the appropriate resources and not sending junk over there that's not needed, uh, you need to look at the big picture in all aspects. So those seven areas include the organizational background that you're working with, administrative requirements, medical staff, and non-medical staff. This is important. The medical staff, number three, is obviously pretty important. You know, if you don't have the clinical staff to provide and use the equipment and know how to use the equipment, the equipment is useless even if it's very good equipment. So what is it, what, what, what are the clinical needs what kind of clinical staff do you have, and so on, using that equipment. Non-medical staff would be all the supportive people that would require some equipment, requires obviously more supportive staff than um, others. The facilities, the buildings and grounds, and uh, one of the things that, that would come under that that we've been talking about earlier is the electrical situation. What's the electrical power available, uh, and so on. So you need to know that. Uh, again, you could, we could spend an hour this morning just talking about the electrical problem uh, around the world and how that affects medical equipment. Uh, What equipment and supplies uh, that you need to consider 
And then financing is another one, the budget part of it. That a lot of times is left out, and the reason a lot of times in the past, especially, it's, it's changing over the years, but as we've done this similar type workshop over the years, um, people come because they want to, they simply want to find the free stuff. Where can I find free stuff? And they don't consider the budget side, the financial side of providing medical resources, medical equipment. So those are the areas um, that, and there's, so there's a list of the questions under all those topics that you might want to ask and consider to think about as you um, evaluate the project that you're involved with. Any, just out of curiosity, anybody working with a, a new, any hospital projects, new um, clinics or a hospital? Yeah? A couple. Yeah. So in the beginning stages or? Yeah. yeah? There's, I'm surprised that just in the last few months how many I found, how many are uh, under construction and how many, matter of fact, this month, there's a couple this month, hospital, new mission hospital dedications going on this month. There's one over in India, I think, this week. So there's, there's, I'm surprised how many are kind of going on, but that's, so there's a lot of those going on. So these are things that all need to be considered as you look at the project. Okay, and then asking the right people. Um, I don't know what to say here except for uh, you need to make sure you're asking. And there are people out there, and you need to network and work and ask the people who have been there, done that, and know what they're doing uh, because you can ask some organizations. This is where it's always careful how you say this. There are organizations out there that provide resources, and they have good intentions. Some, the intentions vary, but they have good intentions, most of them. And, but they just provide resources, so they collect it and they want to help, but they don't necessarily have the right uh, clinical people or technical people or the people that understand all the stuff that they're bringing in and providing to you. So if you go to them and say, we need stuff, they will be glad to go through their warehouse and just load stuff that they have and ship it to you. And so you need to make sure they know what they're giving you. And again, uh, I could give some stories, and these are just this, in the last couple of weeks, some examples of how this bad this is and how it doesn't work, where people that are in the middle of projects that have literally, there was a request about two weeks ago from someone that said, you know, can you, you know, contact all of the, the resources, people you know, and have them give us a 40-foot container of medical equipment and supplies. That was a request. There was no specific, I need this, that, or the other thing. Just go to somebody and have them fill up a 40-foot container full of medical equipment and supplies. Again, going backwards, that results in those who just came in, that's 70% of the stuff that's not usable that we talked about. So you need to know who you're asking. Okay, any questions on? It's kind of a brief one. Okay. Um, oh, some examples. This is an example of knowing who you're asking. So I'm plugging a book. I don't get a dime off on it, but it's hot off the presses, especially for those of you who are in these, these hospital projects. I don't know how many of you have seen this. Innovations in Hospital Management, Success with Limited Resources. This is written by Dr. Rufi Makagba. It's hot off the press. It just became available on Amazon.com, um, I think, within the last two weeks. So this is very good. And he covers all this stuff, talks about, you know, the same thing, the same questions, what you need to consider, uh, all the aspects of a, uh, running a mission hospital. Very good book. So he would be one, especially for under the management, that's where his expertise is. But he covers all these other subjects as well in the book. He even gives forms and suggested stuff. So great book. 
for those who might be interested. Can't have my copy, but $45 on Amazon, and you can have one. Um, and then, uh, again, uh, the the only other thing I would suggest is finding uh, organizations, and I, this is not a plug for tech, but, but tech is an association of, again, 130 uh, organizations and uh, individuals who – uh, specialize in all different areas in the medical field, and so that's a, it, when, if you connect into a network like that, it's very easy then to get to the right people to ask the right questions because you're you're networking. So, just a plug for for networking. Okay, oops, where am I? There. Okay, now let's get down to how are we going to figure this out? What do we need? Evaluating the um, or determining what is actually needed. I mentioned it briefly, but it's back to this counting the cost. Luke, you know, 14, Jesus said, who would, who would, which one of you would build a tower, let's say, which one of you would build a hospital or a clinic, without first considering all the cost that it's going to take to do that. And so mo uh, very frequently in medical projects, the, the, the funding is raised to build the building. The building gets started and built. They recruit the docs, get your docs ready, and then they think, oh, yeah, we need to get some equipment. And so, seriously, you know, okay, will somebody that somebody out there send us some medical equipment? Um, and they frequently go to try to go to the organizations that that going to charge you much to get that. There used to be, there still is a variety of them out there, mission organizations or humanitarian organizations that collect a variety of resources from medical supplies to medical equipment and even non-medical stuff. It's kind of like the Walmart, if you will. And some of them, and most of those, uh, uh, a lot of those are. There's very little cost, maybe a shipping and handling fees. Some of them will literally donate a lot of it. So there's not a high cost to that. But, again, when you go to those that are, that are collecting all that stuff and they don't specialize in any of it, there's a higher risk, if they don't know what they're doing, that they're just going to take what's in their inventory, their warehouse, put it in a container and give it to you. So you really need to think through the counting the cost and what's it really going to cost to get the stuff you need. Okay. Uh, and so, and under that, and, um, you know, we'll get under that under finding, uh, before I go any deeper on that, why it's going to cost, it, it may cost you a little bit more to do it right, but we'll get into where to, where to go with those costs. But you should figure in, and people need to figure, it's going to cost you a little bit, it may cost you a little bit more to do it right. Uh, you think that, actually, but it's, it's unbelievable how much money has been spent on doing it wrong. You can spend a whole lot of money thinking you're paying a little bit to get a lot, and you, then you ship it all over, and then you end up with nothing. And so you've actually you've spent more on nothing than you would to do it right in the first place. So you need to consider the cost. And then, again, confirm the clinical needs. It's, um, that's important, again, to, to look at what, what and talk to the medical staff, what the environment, the country you're working in, what are the needs in that country clinically, uh, so you can provide the appropriate stuff. Again, if you're if you're, uh, somebody offers you, hey, i got a great hemodialysis unit. I won't go into what that is. Uh, for those, many of you probably already know. Or I've got this other device, this, that, or the other thing that's really great. i got an MRI. Give you an MRI. You know, it works great working condition. They tell you all that. But you're going into a remote area where they basically need clean water and have, you know, need worm medicine. You don't need 
a hemodialysis unit or an MRI or some of the other devices. So what are the actual clinical needs from where you're working? And then you match the equipment with what those needs are. And then considering the appropriate technology. Uh, defining appropriate is, again, uh, we kind of just mentioned, it, it might be you might have a working equipment that actually works, but if there's not a clinical need for it, or if it's a technology level that you can't maintain, we were talking earlier about um, uh, equipment like a oxygen concentrator that won't work because of the frequency change, that's obviously not appropriate, even if it's brand new in functioning, it won't, it's not appropriate. So you've got to look at the technical side there. Uh, and then there's uh, things like, uh, examples like ultrasounds. You, um, we collect, and it's shipped a lot of times in the past, you know, these huge 800-pound ultrasounds that are full of thousands of circuit boards that may function very well here. You put them in a container and you ship them overseas and the vibrations and stuff with all the connections and circuit boards, by the time they get to the other end, they don't work. They're also very susceptible, ultrasounds are, to power. So you have to consider, again, the power. So even if it's a good working one when it leaves here, it might not be appropriate. What might be appropriate is a smaller, now, of course, you can almost buy, you can buy laptop-type ultrasounds. So you have to consider the technology levels in the environment you're going to to uh, make sure you match the appropriate technology with where you're sending and what you're sending. Um, I'm hesitant to do this, but... Some people who, who are starting and wanting to help with new clinics or hospitals and wanting to provide resources, they said, well, what should we get? What equipment would you recommend? We used to have this list called recommended equipment. Again, this is available if you, you ask, and I'd be glad to email this to you. Changes it from recommended to suggested. It's not really recommended, but it's to help those if you're, you're thinking, what, what, what equipment do I need to consider uh, and this only covers a couple areas. It covers basic exams, ER or trauma-type uh, equipment, surgery equipment, and obstetrics. So it doesn't even include lab, for example. Recommend, again, you go to the people who know lab, worldwide lab. They could help you determine what you need, uh, what's appropriate in the lab area. But these are different areas, and it lists you know, some of your very basic to you know, some of the more sophisticated equipment. So it's a suggestion, just a suggestion of equipment you might want to consider and think about that do they, do they have, do they need. So that, that, again, will be available if you're interested. I can email you that copy of that. Uh, under, again, the appropriate thing, one of the things that uh, I got going back to the 70% of inappropriate stuff that's being sent, TECH, this organization, Technical Exchange for Christian uh, or uh, Christian. Technical Exchange for Christian Healthcare. <laughs> Should know what that means. Um, it's 20 years old this year, and when it was founded in 1990, it developed standards for uh, appropriateness on equipment and supplies. And this is, uh, and this will be available to send this to you. I'm not going to go through them. There's nine standards for equipment, and there's seven for medical supplies that helps again, give you ideas of what you need to think about and make sure that you're doing correctly when you provide equipment and supplies. And so those standards, by the way, the, one of the persons that helped write the standards for tech also helped write those, the donation guidelines for the World Health Organization and for ASHE, American uh, College of Clinical Engineering. So they all have standards, and they're all very similar because one of the guys that, that wrote these uh, helped with all of those. They're standards for guidelines. 
and even if you didn't want to follow tech standards, there are the World Health Organization has them, and some countries may enforce those and, and be watching that. So you need to know what the standards are for what's appropriate. So that also will be available. I'll be glad to email that to you. Questions so far? No. Um, so where are we going to find this stuff? That's what most people really want to know. Where can I get this stuff? Historically, uh, most people have depended very heavily on donors. And by donors, I mean um, your local hospital or clinic, your friends, your, or the, some of the ministries that get donated stuff to. They'll provide on, uh, they depend heavily on the donated stuff because of the cost is less. And so you, uh, or, well, let's stick with the, the donors by that. I, again, I mean your local hospital clinics and stuff. Um, and it used to be in the past you could get some good stuff from those. Back when healthcare had a little bit more money than it does today, uh, we used to give a lot of stuff out that because we would want to update to the latest technology. And the stuff that we were getting rid of was actually pretty good stuff. And so you, you could get some really good stuff donated that was still in good condition. Um, nowadays, it's not quite like that. How many work in a in, in a healthcare here in the U.S. A hospital or in, many? Oh, a few of you, yeah. So yeah, how much stuff do you guys give away that's really good? <laughs> huh? Do you? What kind of what kind of things? Are you? Right, more supplies, right, on the supplies. On the equipment side, yeah, there's a lot of supplies given. And so we're um, talking more about the equipment here. On the equipment, uh, very little, though, and I, I just worked for a four hospital. I just had gone through a transition, not working there anymore, but just came out of a four um, hospital health system in Michigan. And we uh, sell them in the, in the years, the eight years that I worked there, I, I don't know as I can. I, I know it would, if it, I, I could count it on one hand of that, the number of devices that was appropriate to donate to the field. Most of the stuff was um, uh, disposed of, or because of the healthcare situation and the financial thing, the hospitals prefer to sell it if, they, if there's any value or trade it in. So you, you very frequently anymore do you get some good equipment donated from hospitals. So you need to be careful of that. And when you do get offers, and the, the, the sayings are always the same, it works really good, it worked really good the last time we used it anyway, and, uh, you know, it's not very old. And then when you ask them how old, there was one just last week. Somebody wanted to donate an x-ray system. Oh, it's not very old. How old is it? When did it check the manufacture date? Oh, 1984. And it was old, and it was not good. And they, and they knew that there was no market to trade that in or sell it in the U.S., and it's going to cost them money to get rid of it. So guess who gets the offer? Us. Why don't you take it? You know, hey, here's a great x-ray system. Now they've saved money because you hauled it out for them, and it would have cost them money. And now you've got it, and you've got to pay to get a check for PCBs and disposed of because it's a hazmat material, hazardous material. Anyway, so you've got to watch that. Be careful and know your donors and make sure you do your homework when you're asking. Now you have ministries. And, and I should have put in there also humanitarian. There's Christian ministries and there's humanitarian organizations that collect those from the donors, and they will pass that on as well. So you need to make sure you know who they are and, you know, the type of resources they've, they, they give out, and you need to ask specific questions because they will, they will, you know, they may just pass on whatever they've got, and it may not be what you want. You, you may not, they may not even know the condition of it. So you need to make sure you know those, and there are some that do a very good job. We've talked about mentioned as far as lab goes, Worldwide Lab. You know, you know, thumbs up for Worldwide Lab. 
do a good job. Gyms with international aid, you know, they have biomed techs. They know they've got field experience. They know what, what, what's appropriate, what's not. They make sure it's in good shape when it goes out. There's other ministries. Some of you know Samaritan's Purse and so on. So there's ministries out there that do a good job of that. If you don't know, though, you know what they're providing, make sure you do your homework there. By refurbishers, we, the refurbishers, the used equipment dealers like to, don't like to be called used equipment dealers. They like to be called refurbishers. And there actually is a difference. There are some dealers that are used equipment dealers that will get used equipment and will sell it as used. Uh, and you need to realize used means it was used, but we may not know what the condition is now. And we may not do anything other than sell it to you. A refurbisher is somebody, though, is a company that will actually um, refurbish. We'll, we'll check it all out and rebuild it, fix it, make sure it's working. Uh, some of them to manufacture specs. There's one here, matter of fact, at the conference, DRE. They're a local company here in um, uh, Louisville, and they have a display downstairs. They are very good at refurbishing used equipment and making it like new, and, and it comes with a year warranty. Uh, and they also sell, they'll also sell new equipment. So those are sources that, um, that you need to look at and consider. Again, obviously, as we go down the list, the price is going to probably go up a little bit. The cost is going to go up, but you need to consider the cost because as the cost may go up a little bit, your assurance of having appropriate and workable stuff also goes up. Then, of course, there's new manufacturers. Uh, going right directly to them and, and, and trying to get uh, good deals. And some of the companies will give you discounted prices if it's for mission work. Uh, one of the corporate sponsors for tech is Midmark, so they give to the tech members, they give a discount price on their brand-new equipment through Midmark. If you're not familiar with Midmark, they do exam tables, exam lights, sterilizers, dental equipment, stuff like that. Uh, and so, And then there's other ones as well. So those are the places that you would want to – those are the options where you can go to get that. And, again, you, you need to consider the cost because uh, by the time you get to the new manufacturer, obviously the price is going to go up a little bit. But in the long run, it's probably going to cost you less than what it would have to ship a container full of stuff that didn't work, and now you've got a bunch of trash, and you need to go back and do it all over again. Let's see. Did I have any – Um, and then the last, the, the last point I wanted, how to, find, how to find those. How do you find these? Again, it's, you need to network. You need to get a hold of the ministries or the people that know how to or know these people that, that can connect you with the right resources. And so networking is a key thing to finding those. Otherwise, you're out there trying to, to hunt them down. And so and it's, uh, again, a little bit of a plug for our organization or association like tech where there's so many of them and they know who's who's out there and who does what kind of work. Uh, and so that makes it easier for you to only have to go to one place and say, can you help me find those resources? And I think uh, it's, we haven't had many questions along the way, so what, what are – oh, yes. What would work? We don't actually. We have tried to um, not only maintain a kind of a list on what's a, what is actually appropriate, kind of like the suggested thing. We thought, well, let's give specifics. And we had in the past even manufacturers, model numbers, and all that. We've done that, and then we've also uh, um, 
yeah, tried, tried to make a list like that. And then oh, I was going to say we also have tried to get a hold of the organizations and maybe actually find out what they actually had in the inventory and what's available. That The inventory obviously changes all the time, but so does the technology. It changes, and it really depends, again, on where you're going and what you're going to do. So, for example, with an ultrasound, it depends on where you're at. Uh, and the environment and so on, and what, what you want to do clinically with the ultrasound, whether it's just, you know, maybe OB or abdominal or more, uh, cardio, cardiac, depending on what you're going to do with the ultrasound. So all that to say, we, there is no really list per se uh, available, and so that's why it's good then again to go to either the manufacturers or uh, the refurbishers or a ministry that specializes in those, those areas and ask them their recommendations. Um, I know Samaritan's Purse has, a, you know, they have somebody on staff that's done a lot of ultrasounds. And I think International Aid, they've done a lot of ultrasounds, so they also could uh, recommend, depending on where, what your need is and where you're at, which one it would be. But there is no really list. Again, we've, we threw away the list because it, it changes and the technology changes and can't keep up with it. But good question. Yes? Mm-hmm. And yesterday I turned down a donation. So would you just comment on why that was either a good decision or not a good decision? And what we were offered were 15 skids of medical supplies from an organization that's trying to clean out their warehouse. And the donor said there's some really good medical supplies in that. The majority of it is dumpster fodder. But um, he said if you sorted through all of this stuff, you could probably get some good things, although about half of it is expired. Mm -hmm. Yes. Several different things in that, that particular offer. And that just came, again, it just came yesterday, and it was a container. I think it was one whole container full. Or it was a quite a significant amount of stuff. It was The reason it was collected, which is there was a lot of that in recent days, a lot of collections because of the earthquake in Haiti. And that was a result of an earthquake, the earthquake in Haiti, where somebody, and it was, happened to be a celebrity, wanted to donate a big thing for, big medical thing for Haiti. So that stuff was collected, uh, and then that project fell through, or the celebrity didn't follow up, whatever. Then they're making that available, say, here's this stuff. So it's another one of those cases where they went out and collected from wherever the hospitals and stuff and got, got stuff. And this is back to the supplies. As a biomed tech, we in the technology part, we kind of focus on equipment, but supplies is a big issue as well. So the supplies had a variety of things like surgery packs and stuff, and there's a variety of things you need to know about supplies, and it's a long subject as well. And that's why, by the way, the standards on supplies, let me just mention these on supplies. Let me go through these quickly because there aren't that many of them on supplies. Again, you need to know uh, what's clinically appropriate, what's clinically not. So you need to know that. The quality and condition is number two standard. And I won't read the whole detail, but the, the standard is needing to know the quality and condition of that. So this was told this container had stuff. Some of it was probably open, some wasn't, and a lot of it was dumpster file. So you have no idea the quality or condition of those supplies, but they want you to take the entire tractor trailer load or dumpster or uh, dumpster. The container full, not having any, and they've already they've already admitted to you that the quality and condition is questionable. By the way, 
Here's another thing that we've worked with over the years that, that we would encourage you to think about because the, the mentality or the thinking in the past was I'm very dependent on the donors of giving me stuff, and so I'm going to take whatever they give me and glean through it and hope that I can get some good stuff out of it. And that 70-30% World Health Organization uh, uh, figure for what's overseas and is trash, 70% being trash, the organizations that have done that in the past, collected all that stuff, their numbers are about the same. So if you get this container and it comes into an organization that was all donated, they find typically that about 70% of that stuff is trash. They have to dump it. So, But they kind of put up with it thinking, I need to take the 70% garbage so I can get to 30 We would encourage you that is not a fact. The people that would donate that kind of stuff to you knowingly do that are not people that you really want to get donations from because they're just dumping their stuff on you. If it's a legitimate donor that really wants to help, is serious about helping Haiti or whatever, medical missions, and you educate them and say, these are the things that's appropriate and these are not. These we can use, these we cannot. If they're a serious donor and really want to help, let them screen the stuff and give you the good stuff. I, years ago, I worked for Samaritan's Purse. It was back in the day when Dave Stevens and, uh, and I started at the same time. The first thing we did is went around and visited some other ministries saying, how do you do it? We didn't want to recreate the wheel. How do you do this? And they said, well, you know, we all, and all of them said we kind of take everything and then sort it out. We decided right from the get-go we're not going to do that and look for good donors. And so we did that. We would just educate the donors, and we started right off with about the opposite. About 70% of the stuff we got donated was good, 30% was um, trash because you can't stop some of it, especially the earthquake thing. We were talking to a ministry two days ago who they, the trucks were just coming in to their loading docks without even being solicited and dumping off stuff. So you can't stop some of it, but you can work at making that better. So um, so you, you try to you, you know find your donors to give and educate them to give you the good stuff. Uh, proper utilization, you know, you need to know how it's going to be utilized. Expiration dates is one. I won't go into the details of that. But there's, a, there's a, things you need to know about expiration dates on supplies. There's all kinds of dates you'll find on medical supplies. You'll find a, a manufacturer date. You could find a manufacturer date. You could find sterilization dates. You could find expiration dates. You could find a variety of different dates. And you need to understand dates on medical supplies and what they mean. And you'll have a difficulty in some countries with the customs people not understanding. They might see a sterilization date or a manufacturer date and say that's expired and give you grief for it because they don't even understand what the dates mean. So you need to understand dates and, and that. Um, storage and shipping. I don't know when that container was put together for Haiti, but it was probably months ago. Uh, I think the container was actually out in California. Uh, probably setting, could be setting in the heat. Who knows what the condition is after it's baked out in the sun for a while. So well, how has this stuff been stored previously to getting that stuff? And how has it been shipped? Um, sterilization, we talked about dates, one of them being sterilization dates. The whole subject of sterilization is addressed too as a standard on, on doing that. And the, the basically um, the recommendation is the end user, as far as sterilization goes, is responsible for sterilization dates. So if you handle supplies and you see stuff that's not sterile, the sterilization date is expired, um, it is acceptable if the end user has sterilizers and can re-sterilize and so that those products still may be good, and that's the standard under sterilization. 
The last one, which is the same for both equipment and supplies, is this. And this is the most important one. The recipient and the donor or provider must agree together on this. This happens frequently, just like the donations I mentioned where people are giving, coming to these ministries and dumping off stuff for Haiti. Um, they, the, the, the recipient, the ministry that's taking that stuff and that person dumping that off should agree up front what they're going to take and what they're not. Likewise, the end user, your hospital, your clinic, whatever overseas, is you're getting ready to send stuff to them. Don't send them stuff that you think they need. You need to communicate with them, go through that, all that, the questions that we had talked about earlier, evaluate what the real need is, and then match what the need is with what you're providing. Don't just send them stuff thinking that something is better than nothing. And so far as supplies goes, I, I threw it away this morning. I was going to even bring it as a show-and-tell, a baggie that has a used, had a used bar of soap and a used tea bag in it as a demonstration. And believe it or not, there are still ministries, Christian ministries today, that accept used bars of soap and ship them to the mission field. I don't know about tea bags, but for those of you younger folks, that really has taken place in the past. I don't know if anybody does that anymore. But that was not an unusual practice, that and soap and other stuff. And there are still ministries that do that. So you, you, that all needs to be considered. Um, what did I cover on, the, on that container? I, th- I think that was most of... And so you... But, but there's a... Again... The percentage of that, do you really want to pay to to receive that container or that truckload of stuff, sort through it all for a little bit of maybe good stuff that's in it? So it's better a lot of times to turn it all down. Yes? Last year, uh, we have a clinic in Haiti. Last year, we were given uh, almost like two pounds of medicine from a blessing operation blessing. Uh And, of course, we didn't know any better. We thought the everything was good, knowing coming from blessing. Right. And then uh, it cost us almost about Right. Yeah, that's a good point, and I, that was one of the things I wanted to point out with this container of these supplies, medical supplies. If they have like packs in them, like a surgery pack, that may come with a pharmaceutical in that surgery pack. And that will have an expiration date on it. And that's exactly what happens and has happened, uh, that if customs or people go through it, they open up a surgery pack, and here's a pharmaceutical item that has got an expiration date and it's expired. Now you've lost or you've got your whole container stuck because of that. So very good point. Thank you. Yes, obviously our testimonies, isn't it? And and that's why we started went back to the fact that the NGOs are in mission organizations. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates that 70% of the stuff we send is bad. That's a testimony. If nothing else, that ought to shame us. You really want to not sleep tonight. Read Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 and following. And God is irritated with the blind sheep and the crippled sheep that we donate to him. You know, and, he's, and he says, you, want, you might as well shut down the temple. You know, I'm tired of your sacrifices because it's junk. He says, I'm asking for your good stuff. So, yeah, that ought to shame us in itself to do that, to do a better job of that. I didn't mean to get preaching here, but 
Uh, I think that covered, but that was, a, uh, that was one I forgot to mention too, pharmaceuticals in, 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 in uh, supplies. Other questions or comments? The question, by the way, for the, for the recording, should anybody want the recording? The question is uh, expired medications and pharmaceutical stuff. The World Health Organization, and I don't remember, gosh, it's been 10 years or so ago, really cracked down, and they came up with what they called recommendations on expired drugs and, and donation guidelines for pharmaceuticals. And, of course, most of the world says, I'm not going to recreate, you know, and come up with my own policies and stuff. So they just took the World Health Organization recommendations and turned it into law in many countries. And expiration dates is a big one. And so all that to say, not only do some countries and places not accept something, even if it expired yesterday, they won't even accept it if it's got like six months left. It depends on the organizations or the countries in the places, but they require an an, uh, extended expiration date. So by the time you consider your shipping and you Put it, especially if you put it in a container and it gets stuck in customs, now it sets there, and it may have been good when you sent it. By the time it gets there, it's expired, and now you're in trouble. I remember years ago, I don't know what they're doing now, but in Haiti years ago, they would, they would go around and spot check the medical mission hospitals and clinics to see if they had any stuff. And if you did, you got fined and you got in trouble for it. And so um, the recommendation is that, yeah, that no, it, you know, and... And that's especially for there's no old nobody old in here, none of the older doctors that used to carry that stuff over, and they really had a tough time when the World Health Organization did that of breaking that habit of carrying over expired drugs because they know that those drugs are good. Won't argue with that, but it doesn't matter now because you you literally can be fined, you literally can have containers held up, you can get in big kind of trouble, and it goes back to the testimony. And even though Clinically speaking, the doctors and, you know, the people would know that that drug is still good. Um, that Even the testimony part of it is the feeling for the recipient is you're dumping on us again. You're trashed. You're blind and crippled sheep, to put it that way. And so, yeah, the, there really should be no expired, and you should make sure you have a good date on it. Yes? That varies. Some, uh, some are shaking their head. Yes, uh, that, that varies, and I think in organizations, uh, yes, you want to reply to that? Uh, the question, by the way, for the, again, for the recording is that what about sutures and some other expiration in gloves?
it's pretty good indication that the entire uh, box has gloves that are used. Well, I was going to say, I think you made a, a great point. It's the date issue is manufacture date, sterility date, expiration date, and then you lend that to translation amongst culture and language, and it gets very jumbled right. across interculturally and things like that. Right. I mean, I work domestically, and it's an issue domestically. You don't even want to think about it once you go international. Yeah, it's because very confusing. Whole container. Right. Not just the gloves. They don't just take the gloves. They right. Take the right. Container. Right. Yeah, we had to have them for it. Yeah, so it's a big risk, and you're in trouble. There was another comment. I... It's already been said. Oh, okay. I'm one of those. I'm kind of like I pick on the doctors for wanting to take over the pharmaceuticals and saying, sorry, you know, don't do that. You can't do that, but it's still good. I'm... I'm one, even though I'm biomed tech and work more on the equipment, I still I still struggle with throwing sutures and gloves out because of dates. I still have a hard time with that. And I don't know, not to, I don't want to say, do you guys do that, but uh, do you have any exceptions to the rule where you would ship any of that stuff? Yeah. My recommendations are the same as yours. We recommend we don't, you know, we can't, you, know, you can't lead a horse to water and, and make him drink. Right. So it's good to know. You need to know all those, and good the recipient and the receiver agree so that you know you don't put that burden on them, and you give them you ship that container over, and now they're stuck with that. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, again, there's good intentions. Let me see if I can, where's my, uh, uh, i got to figure out how to work this. One of, um, the, the, that's a, the problem of the good intentions and people thinking, well, you know, something's better than nothing. It's an unfortunate uh, thought, but I can't do two things at once. My wife's chuckling at me here. Oh, oh, sorry. I don't know how to set this up. Yeah, there you go. Here, let's uh, junk for Jesus. That's what I called it. Our grandchildren? No, no, not those. <laughs> while, while, Rick is, while Rick's searching for that, what he said about the, the recipient, the supplier-recipient agreement is, is very important. You know, we can make our recommendations, but what is good for someone else may not be good for, and, and vice versa. You may be a specialist and be able to take some of that stuff that a, a, a family practitioner would say, no, that's not appropriate. So that is that supply-recipient agreement is very important so both parties know what they're getting and, and, and what's 
usable. And, you know, the recipient can kind of push back and say, well, you can say all the recommendations you want. I have to know for a fact this works. I'm on the ground. I know. So don't feel like you know, just don't take it and stand up for <laughs> Yeah. This was a little uh, little show and tell that we had at the tech conference on Thursday. This was actually, I took this in Haiti just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it, that hopefully doesn't give you warm fuzzies. Hopefully it makes you kind of ill. Uh, and so I called the guy in the striped shirt, I called him Bob Recipient. You know, So there's Bob Recipient. I was watching him from the roof of this hospital, and he's kind of down there just rifling through the bags and the boxes trying to find some good stuff. That was all, of course. You see more of this, by the way, You know, after natural disasters like the earthquake, uh, the tsunami that hit Indonesia, uh, the hurricane years ago that hit Honduras, all of those, what happens is it gets publicized and it gets in the press and everybody has good intentions. Joe Donor has really good intentions. He sees it on the news. He's really bothered. He says, I want to help them. And he's thinking, okay, they've lost everything, whether it's an earthquake, hurricane, tsunami, whatever. Something's better than nothing. That's the mentality of Joe. So, But Joe doesn't know Bob. So he can't, like, set a FedEx box to Joe Bob's attention or contact Bob. Bob, what do you need? So he just kind of collects stuff. And then there's us, you know, on both ends of the sea that help enable that process of getting Joe's blind and crippled sheep that he sends with good intentions to Bob the recipient, and that's what it looks like. And, you know, so that's, hence, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, reminders to make sure you're doing it all appropriate. Does this session go till 9 or till 10 to 9? I don't remember. Ooh, so I'm over. So uh, yeah, any any more final questions? And, again, for those who came in late, these resources that I showed you and stuff, um, you have well, – I don't have it up there now, but my email address, email me. I'll be glad to send the PowerPoint, the whole bit to you. Yes, last questions? Interestingly enough, on this compound in Haiti, they are trying out some a new technology of incinerators. So if uh, if you didn't get get my card or whatever, and email me. They are trying out new incinerators there, and so that technology is still kind of being developed on how to get rid of that. There, I looked at them and I had pictures of them, but they're not really large, so you know you couldn't do a, a lot of quantity of stuff at one time. But they are building that, so I could get that information.